Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Trevor. And together, we're We're Occasionally Interesting. interesting. The podcast where a couple travels the world interviewing the most interesting people they meet along the way. Sometimes it will be sweet. Often entertaining. Rarely conservative. Frequently informative. Occasionally occasionally interesting. interesting. This week on Occasionally Interesting, we have Sarah from Safety Wing. What's Safety Wing up to? Safety Wing is trying to change the world by creating a country on the internet. Whoa! I know. What what does that look like? What does that look like, you might ask? Stay tuned. Stay tuned for that and more. What were you going to say? This is one of your what? This is one of my favorite episodes. I I totally support her and her project and what they stand for, the direction they're taking it in. Uh, I was super impressed with her, um, how well-spoken she was, how knowledgeable she was, uh, her initiative being so young and being so driven and successful in that drive. Uh, it was a it was a pleasure talking with her. Some of you may have heard of Safety Wing as an insurance provider. They're who we get our insurance from. And uh, we never knew an insurance company could be so sexy until uh, Safety Wing. They really are changing the game. Like right now, their, their main product is offering um, in, in health insurance for nomads that's really they're, they're that corner of the market i think um but their yeah their vision is way beyond that it's right now they have this insurance product and, the, and they're hoping to extend to a, a global safety net and we get more into what that means and the ultimate goal is to create the first country on the internet ambitious but they are they are they're getting they're making progress yeah we are happy to have been a part a small part of the beginning of that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great to be able to share this mission with more people in the world and get people really thinking about it and what they would want out of a country that they get to have a say in making with a the, country. With the, what the nature of a country is, what the nature of a government is, what a government should provide, and what the cost of that should be, and the morality of borders and citizenship citizenship and the privileges or lack thereof that come with such a system and yeah, it was a really fascinating conversation stay tuned indeed yeah it's, it's it, it, lately with uh corona and kind of the beginning of the downfall of the u.s we've definitely been um talking about what will it be like if we do become kind of refugees right now we are we are beyond privileged that we never think about what our passport grants us access to. We were shocked when we got to, or when we were going to Vietnam and we found out that we needed um, a visa before going there. We did not buy a visa um, ahead of time. We just got to the airport and then had to do some shady, shady black market deals, spend f- drop $500 immediately in order to board the plane to get a rush a rushed visa because yeah we, it was our first time ever needing a visa ahead of time to go somewhere we like the u.s passport just grants us like pretty much unanimous entry um and and we're so privileged and meeting more nomads from different countries and talking to them about their difficulties going anywhere because their passport is so weak and being like wow that's so completely completely unfair and how amazing would it be if, yeah, there was this country that you were a part of creating and you got to have a say in it and and you could opt to leave the, the one of these countries that don't grant you the permissions or the lifestyle or any of the things that you want and need. I, yeah, I can't imagine if I was if I was somewhere with a weak passport, I would... I can't. I can't begin to. Yes, we're very um, fortunate. We're so, not have to worry yeah. about such matters for yeah. now. <laughs> for now, that's right. Uh, and it's a shame that anybody does. Uh, so I mean, uh, yeah. The, I'm so happy that the, that we're on track to creating this alternative and and um, something that we've talked about on the podcast and that we talk a lot in our lives is um, voting with your feet and kind of choosing being able to have. But that's really such a luxury to be able to vote with your feet as in i don't mean literally like press press buttons in the voting box with your toes i mean uh 
I'm not sure anybody was confused by that. It was an amusing visual. <laughs> I vote with my feet. <laughs> That's what I think about politics today. I vote with my stinky feet. But no, I mean, I mean, go where go where you're aligned with what's going on, and leave where you're not. And this is Trevor and I left U.S. Uh, we've been out of the country for the majority of Trump's reign, and we did that on purpose. But man, what a what a luxury, and how totally devastating and unbelievable the impacts to your life it would be if you didn't have that choice so yeah the the first country on the internet is amazing an amazing idea for so very many reasons but it it's just it seems very obvious that it's the direction that the world is going in and certainly it's a very interesting conversation to have like what 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 should a government be responsible for providing Mm -hmm. and we'd love to hear your thoughts so if you sign on to our website social media yeah check out our new instagram it's beautiful we're going hard for season two on instagram so uh, and give us your thoughts uh, we'd be very curious to hear education social safety net unemployment yeah, all these things that not everybody has access to and we can start we can have a you know i feel like with the quarantine right now everybody is having more time and more zoom calls so we can we can start having for now a little a little mini sewed section of uh responses from listeners if anyone wants to do that if anyone wants to have a a three or five minute talk uh with with your views on this week's episode or upcoming episodes or past episodes then yeah hit us up at occasionally interesting and uh eric i'm talking to you <laughs> i want to know what you think about a global or a country on the internet it would be interesting to know what uh, what he what what he would uh, come up with for a government if he'd just be like if his anarchist views would apply to inventing a new country or if it's only to get rid of a a style of government that he doesn't like. It is true. It does sort of turn the the anarchist, especially if you can opt in and out easily of your government. It does sort of change the anarchists uh at least my my view of the anarchists perspective a bit like you're no longer subjected un like involuntarily to the whim of the government because you can just leave and then how does that factor into your decision making that you consider yourself an anarchist yeah i'd be curious (laughs) all right so maybe stay tuned for that mini sound with eric coming up (laughs) um all right, but yeah, please uh, enjoy this episode with Sarah and definitely check out Safety Wing. Um, you can go onto their website, safetywing.com, and sign up to receive email updates on what's happening with their global safety net and country on the internet and all this stuff. Big things are coming for them in the next from them in the next year. Um, definitely stay tuned and enjoy this episode with Sarah. Bye. Bye. Occasionally interesting, occasionally interesting, they are occasionally interesting. Yeah, I'm very flattered to be one of those. <laughs> you certainly fall into that category. Absolutely, we've been so excited to talk to you since yes. the moment we heard you talk. We were uh, like, "That's our girl." And then you mentioned Firefly, and we were like, "That's really our girl. We gotta get her." Definitely earned a lot of extra points for that one. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, in preparation for this, I was just just reading because I haven't got a chance to. Um, I was talking with Lily, and she mentioned the blog that. Uh, she was given in order to prepare for the talk yeah. that you gave uh, yeah. last night, Alexa. And I was just sort of skimming through that as quickly as I could. I was like, yeah. oh my God, like, so we just did another podcast. It just ended up like, I have to read this because there's so many <laughs> things I want to talk about. Yeah. Well, would you mind briefly plugging and giving uh, all the things that you do and yeah. why, why, how we met you? Yeah, so uh, my name is Sarah. I uh, am originally from Norway fairly nomadic, mostly based in New York. I'm there about five, six months out of the year. And uh, three years ago, I started a company called Safety Wing. Oh, wow. It's only three years old? Yeah, three years old. I feel like I've known about you guys forever, man. Uh, I guess we've been successful in our... (laughs) Yeah, when we were looking up travelers insurance... 
Safe to Bang was the top of our list. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so we were already we were already fans. Yeah, well. yeah, that's great to hear. But there are still a lot of people that haven't heard of us, and uh, the main reason for that is that most people don't look up insurance. I think a lot. Of, a lot of nomads seem to, uh, or they just go with the first thing that someone mentions. So, but it is true that if you do Google digital nomad insurance or tra- long-term travel insurance or anything like that, you're bound to find us as one of the alternatives. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the funny thing is, we do often get the question like, "How are you guys different from world nomads?" I feel like the answer to that question is a lot more than just you know the differences in policies. That's why I think it makes sense to talk a little bit about how we started Safety Wing, how and why we started Safety Wing. So that was uh, me and my two co-founders, Hans and Sandre. We're all from Norway. Uh, Sandre is currently based in San Francisco. Hans is right now in Buenos Aires, spends most of his time in Norway. But yeah, we're all fairly nomadic people. And um, uh, at the time, Sandre was also running a freelancer platform. So a platform where they hired the best freelancer they could freelancers they could find and then they took up projects so, so they took in the whole project and distributed freelancers and then delivered the project back to the clients and uh, since they were recruiting top talent freelancers they wanted to offer them benefits um, to retain them and they couldn't find anything that was global that they could just buy for everyone yeah um, and then at the same time uh, we were scattered across the globe and uh, came originally from Norway and started, you know, the kind of the thing that all nomads go through is this kind of freeing yourself from your, your home country and then realizing that there aren't really any good alternatives. And then us with some pretty entrepreneurial mindsets are like, you know, but why? There's no reason why there shouldn't be. And, and it's just because the internet isn't that old and uh, it's a new type of movement uh, where there's a new cross-global community that, that is growing. Yeah, we decided to do something about that, uh, about that, you know, us that kind of choose to be on the outside of our own country, but don't really have anything alternative, don't have an alternative to go to. So what are the three key pillars of Safety Wing, or however you call it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure which one's the, the, Yeah, the, authenticity. No, I mean, uh, the, the global safety net, the country. Yeah, country yeah. Right oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So our plan was to build the world's first global social safety net, expand on that to build the first country on the internet so that people can truly detach and, and all, not just because you want to detach and, and be part of something else, but also because a lot of people are, are born into places that aren't don't have really good things, or maybe they maybe your country supports things that you don't support. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, as Americans, we yeah. can uh, agree with that very strongly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, um, it's a multi-step journey. Like I said, we've been going for three years at this point. Um, and uh, it was just uh, three of us and a front-end engineer in front of our computers in, in four different locations around the world uh, that decided to start doing this. And um, we realized that a social safety net consists of uh, health insurance, disability insurance, pension savings, and income protection, if, if you look to how the Norwegian one uh, works. Um, so uh, that's what we decided to do, just build out these things, but globally. Um, and we started out with insurance, got a hold of two uh, very senior insurance experts since we didn't really know that much at that point and they really believed in us and our idea my name is paul and brian and um, they put us in touch with different insurance companies around the world and you know taught us a little bit about how things work and we realized that there aren't that many insurance companies that have the infrastructure to do this so yeah then we had a handful of insurance companies to talk to and uh yeah we we got a really good partnership with tokyo marine and we developed the product together with them which is now what you know is the safe doing nomad insurance that product has been going really well since we launched it two years ago um we put on some unique features uh, on this product. So one of them is like you can visit your home country for up to 30 days every 90 days. Uh, or if you're American, it's up to 15 days every 90 days. Um, so if you want to visit home, uh, that's a very convenient feature. Um, other things like does a that, subscription. Does that build up? So if you're out of your... No, okay. 
it does not uh, accumulate, so you can't. Um, that means that you can't uh, save up. You know, be away from for uh, 180 days and then yeah. go 60 days. Straight. So certainly, yeah. it's one of like hmm. one of our problems is you know we could either pay for really expensive insurance in yeah. the states and that'll cover you know if we get if we get chronically ill or mm. something like that and return yeah. to the states yeah we can be covered but yeah. Uh, yeah but then it seems really kind of crazy when it, especially when medical care over here is in, in Southeast Asia is so cheap to yeah. be paying for like and I. If I get into a bike accident, like I could wind up being a lot of money. Most likely, yeah. hopefully, you know, it would be just a mm-hmm. couple of dollars. That, yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely, it is a very good idea to have insurance. It's not certainly. as cheap as you kind of think because it's easy to think that it's cheap because you got a scratch and you go to the doctor and you know you get some antibiotics and then you come out and oh that was only ten dollars. Well, yeah. We certainly know enough people that have been in the hospital from especially motorbike yeah, accidents exactly, that yeah. have you know yeah it. it yeah, it certainly can be very expensive. Yeah, and Thailand in particular has very good hospitals, but also somewhat for Southeast Asia expensive healthcare, uh, and especially for extended hospital stays, surgeries. Um, yeah, uh, dengue fever is another very common thing that we see from mm. our customer base. Yeah, um, wow. Yeah, which also usually requires hospitalization. You know what the average price tag on dengue fever is? I, I've def- I've heard uh, both one thousand and three thousand um, dollars. Yeah, it just completely depends on what hospital you end up on. Um, but yeah. Okay, so I would like to take a step back. So the end goal is to eventually mm. start a country on the internet. Yeah. What does that mean to you? What exactly? How how do you define a country mm-hmm. as it is now and what it could be? Yeah. So. A country right now, um, if, you, if you think about, yeah, most of us already have a country, and there are a few exceptions in the world, but most of us already have a country, and it is essentially a membership. You have no choice of where you're a member, and then they offer you some services in return, and, and usually you pay a little bit for it. Um, it also brands you as a certain type of person and gives you access to certain countries, uh, like harder, more simpler, typically, you know, countries you're friends with or your, your country is friends with have uh, a better uh, have, you have an easier time getting in and uh, you also see this you know upwards and downwards mobility it's harder it's harder to get into if you're from a poorer country it's hard to get into a wealthier country and one of this, the reasons for this is that um, because of their, uh, the country is scared of having things taken advantage of in particular benefits and, and uh, so, social things so it's, it's hard to acquire a membership in, in another country or even just access um, yeah, how how legitimate do you, of a concern do you think that is? Like, say, if the United States, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, opened up its borders, there would be an influx yeah. of impoverished citizens, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, theoretically, you know, uh, so that sort of like, mm. how much of a problem would it be if we just sort of got away, did away with borders right yeah, now, no I, more? I think there would definitely be. Um, a big problem for one country, the first country that decided to do it. I also think it would be somewhat problematic to do it all in one day, but I do think that we're headed there. Um, and uh, uh, or at least that what a border means or what a country means is, is going to change a lot over the, the years. Um, where, for example, now we're trying to decouple the safety net from the country's responsibilities, which is now um, from... Uh, Western welfare states, it's uh, a massive part of the GDP. Um, and uh, there are, and it doesn't have, that does, thing doesn't have to be um, within a country's borders, uh, whereas potentially law enforcement might stay within the borders. Like a uh, uh, country kind of is created by its laws. Do you think that would be fair, would it be a fair characterization to say that this could be a version of privatizing? entitlement programs or social safety nets yeah and when you're saying privatizing that also kind of that rings a bit you know like is it going to be some billionaire at the top that just makes a lot of money but i i believe in a future where um people can go together and uh yeah you can have it more as a community-based um, association um where everyone puts money in and you know there will be jobs people will make money up but um because someone has to administrate this but not that it's a you know, when you're, yeah, it rings a bit uh, when you say privatized. I know, I didn't, I, yeah. didn't, I was a yeah. little... I, but more on the, I went on the with outside. It to kind not, of beg that point. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, not government or not um, not uh, something that's tied into geographical land and something that's, that's more voluntary. So if you are making it sort of voluntary and how would you avoid some of the pitfalls that would happen if we say just opened up all borders? Like, yeah. you're going to 
Yeah, but if, if I think the pitfalls of opening up borders uh, are related to geographical things. So if it's a virtual country, I, I, there's there's not going to be a problem with it. So, but um, say, I mean, what's to stop say a lot of people who would otherwise have a very high unemployment rate, or yeah. you know, a lot of those people joining mm-hmm. up, and a lot of people who don't have that fear necessarily mm-hmm. saying, "Well, I'm not going to opt in. Why would I pay into something yeah. that I most likely won't yeah. need?" So uh, just to say one thing is that when, even though we're making a country on the internet, that does not mean that we're going to abolish everyone else's passports <laughs> so there there could be um uh so, so a country is still free to say that people cannot come and take the local jobs for example i mean this will vary a lot from from country to country uh but the the, the thing that we're really the way that we're really writing on here is uh, remote work and and freelancers and and um people that bring their own jobs and this is going to just get bigger and bigger uh, and including, you know, think about webcam, you know, when we're doing video conferencing, it's, uh, there's so many jobs that aren't, you know, where you don't have to physically be there. And in addition to, you know, obviously coding and writing, but also coaching and, and uh, even, you know, personal trainer, there, there's tons of jobs where you don't have to actually be there. And uh, that, that's the, you know, we imagine this to be part of the future where it's, you're not, uh, any country is free to say that you can't take a job here. But I, I also think that a lot of countries will encourage people to start businesses and, and invest into the local community as well. That was one of my the things that I found most interesting, very interesting at Alexa when you were discussing uh, the nature of tourism and how it, it becomes sort of uh, isolated. The benefits of it are isolated to different businesses that tend to be foreign-owned, mm-hmm. so the, the money doesn't necessarily circulate back into the larger community, mm-hmm. um, and how that could change from in- increasing visa statuses to be more lenient towards nomads, for instance. Mm-hmm. Would you mind talking about that for me? Yeah, uh, so uh, for example, um, yeah, we're, we're talking about how to make sure that money uh, circulates also, mainly in the country that people go to? Yes. Um, like, for instance, if, if, if it's easier to get a visa, then you're more likely to invest in the place that you're living. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're more likely to yeah, say, exactly. I'm mm. not going to just stick to these three cafes. I, I'm yeah. going to be here for a while, so I might as well start to learn the language, start to reach out to local businesses. Exactly, yeah. So Because so, that is a concern that people have right now about digital nomadism is that we just we tend to just come and we kind of stay on the outskirts. Like, we're not really... Uh, injecting ourselves into the society and and you know i mean to use a really mean word you know some people might just look at us as as leeches just kind of come and take the best and then leave again and you know maybe maybe we make the locals worse off though i I think that we are already putting money into these economies uh, i think with more lenient visas visas or or um uh easier to, to come and live and work in these places we would definitely see people investing deciding to invest more uh so I've lived in a lot of places and I feel like the for me it's around the six month mark is when I'm really starting to stop resisting and kind of becoming part of that culture or, or yeah feeling more like I'm part of this and, and this is home um and uh if all the visas are you know if, if we're moving around two or three months at a time we never kind of get to that point especially if we also know that we're going to leave we wouldn't it's natural that we're not going to open a cafe anywhere if, if we know we're going to leave in three three months or even start you know even create an organis a local organization even start teaching uh all of these things makes way more sense to do if you can stay somewhere long term and then you know each nomad then will be more looking for a base with, with just more options and of where to invest, where to create a life. Why do you think there exists such a strong pushback uh, from countries like Thailand to police things like nomads mm. or kick out, you know, too judgmental? Of mm. So th- there is, there are multiple things. I mean, in, in general, um, whenever, when you have a country and you have a culture, um, you tend to not like seeing any signs of that going away. Um, and so, so this is a point of contention for any country that has a lot of immigration. One country that has done this very successfully and kind of did it in a way, uh, a different way than other countries is uh, the United Arab Emirates or Dubai that have 90% immigrants and just 10% locals. How they do it is that they just cushion, you know, they give in massive benefits. They, the locals really get to benefit from, from every single thing that, um, of the investments. Like it's mostly real estate there um real estate and tourism and uh, they really take care of their their local people 
um, so that they, they kind of appreciate their, you know, essentially their livelihood. That's pretty revolutionary. I feel like it is. You know, any t- any previous time in history, the people who were there before the other mm. people came in mm. usually don't fare too well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, uh, and that so that is part of why why it's it's such a painful transition. Yeah, the the transition um, from you know being just your own country to starting to let other people in is a painful transition for all countries and. Uh, but I think with the younger generation, uh, we like people from other cultures more, and, and we'll see this this more and more, uh, that we want to create uh, our community not based on you know where we're from, or uh, but, but about who we get along with and who are similar to us. Absolutely. Certainly, I was wondering if you think that there, that was a generational thing. Like The way that I view it is that culture is constantly changing and transforming, mm. and generally speaking... Not all the time, but generally speaking, the most productive elements of that culture, which there are facets to this that are, mm-hmm. but wins out. So mm-hmm. ultimately, the best culture, sort of Darwinism approach of culture, yeah. will ultimately succeed. So, like, yeah, even if we do accept a bunch of, I'm going to use this, I'm going to put it into terms uh, realistically, even if we do accept a bunch of Muslims in the United States, because mm-hmm. this is a controversy that's going on in Europe and in a there might be some clashes of culture, but ultimately, whichever one has the most advantages for its citizens, mm-hmm. you know, the other the other side will be like, I really, I'm not as happy, I'm not as fulfilled, I'm not as, as free or engaged, mm-hmm. or, you know, and, and ultimately, there'll be a natural shift, as long as you don't put mm-hmm. up barriers and put up, mm-hmm. um, so I feel like, especially people of our generation, welcome and want to see that happen, and, and generally, you know, as a progressively minded individual when you become exposed to different cultures i feel like you tend to become more progressive which i yeah. feel like is ultimate win for my personal mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> crusade i guess mm-hmm. i absolutely agree with that and yeah getting getting to to know a person is you know the best way to tear down your whatever preconceptions you had uh yeah um i can't remember who said this but it was oh i don't like that person i guess i need to get to know them better Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Mm. That go- kind of goes for other cultures as well, um, and uh, I, I yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, if you, uh, I mean, it is kind of a utopian future where where I think we're still not there um, quite yet for for everyone. But I agree that if you mesh mesh cultures together, what's best is what's going to come out, and uh, you're still gonna you're still gonna be able to keep individuality. Certainly. I think individuality can even be enhanced. I mean, mm-hmm. It will, will inevitably be enhanced yeah. with globalization. And, I mean, it's, like you said, it's already happening with the mm-hmm. internet. You can mm-hmm. talk with anybody. You can sell anything anywhere at any given moment in time, pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and internet culture is just, uh, for, for me, that is such a strong part of, of my my life throughout my, my whole life. It's, it's been I've been part of a very international group um, just because so many of my friends have been online. Throughout my whole life. What would you say to those who would say that uh, online friends aren't real friends, mm-hmm. or that okay. internet culture tends to be terrible? Yeah, no, but if you have internet culturists, you know, it's billions of people. Yeah. Uh, it's you, you can say that about. So there is not one internet culture. Um, yeah, uh, like I'm a big fan of Reddit, and you have different subreddits, and and different subreddits have, uh, you know, their own strong, sometimes awful, and sometimes amazing communities. Mm. Reddit. That's been a point of contention in the last. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy Reddit. Mm-hmm. I found it really interesting to think the idea that as technology increases and things like encryption become more commonplace and accessible, that theft becomes more difficult and that removes the influence that violence can have and how that would then impact the ability to build a internet country very interesting and it is a persuasive argument for why now is the right time mm-hmm. to do something like this mm-hmm. absolutely i mean back in the days they would kept keep records in books of who belonged to which country or city or county but i mean obviously all, all of that now is stored in some database i mean it's how we're we're already built um and uh, you could create another database of a new country and uh, yeah, we're already at that risk, you know, like there's a reason where you're supposed to hide your social security number 
and uh, yeah, identity theft. Uh, but it's going to become trickier. And I imagine a a country that's built on the internet from scratch is probably going to be better at handling these kinds of, of, of things than than a country that had to translate and you know has a lot of legacy code. So other than the bureaucracy uh, that you have to deal with by being the first people to forge this, what are what is the resistance that you're meeting to build the first country on the internet? Uh, I mean, it's a, it is a, a hard problem to solve. Uh, so, uh, but we we didn't expect it to be easy, and we expect it to take a lot of time. I mean, so right now we're we're still in the insurance industry, and and this one it is regulated. Uh, some countries or regions are more lenient than others, or easier to deal with, while others are are harder. Uh, but it's then you know we we just do all the easy ones first, and then we just one by one deal with the countries that are are harder and usually that involves setting up an entity there uh, of some sort and having a local presence uh, that's typically in what we have to do and then we kind of hide it on the back end the complicated stuff so that for the for the user or the customer it seems like it's all just one um, but yeah it's ironing out those like low bumps and things that that are different between countries would it have been possible to say, use something like a cryptocurrency as your means of commerce in order to circumvent a lot of those uh, restrictions or laws that are guide things like healthcare? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Crypto is definitely in our future. Um, but for now, um, it's too big of a project to completely go outside what already exists. Um, so step one is to, to uh, deal with what exists, and then we can slowly work on replacing it something new uh but it's definitely not uh unheard of that a country has its own currency so yeah do you have any idea whether that would look like piggybacking on an existing cryptocurrency or creating your own uh don't really have any thoughts of that yet uh so that that depends on the situation when we get to that point which is still a few years in the future what can people do on an individual level to support this happening uh, take part in, in our community. We're uh, going to send out um, more and more emails related to this. Um, so right now, if you go to safetywing.com, you see our travel medical insurance product, and you can also access our um, health insurance product for, for remote teams. Uh, but in a few months from now, you will actually get to you know a more mission-oriented country on the internet front page. Um, so we've started talking about this now, but... Um, uh, in the future, we're we're going to create the whole community around this, and so taking part in that is is and uh, be you know following what we're doing and talking about it and uh, and you know uh, so that everyone you know are on board, and then maybe some of those people will be some important people that can help us out. Uh, what what do you see, or do you expect it to be a democratic? conclusion of uh, taxes and benefits for this country? Yeah, so so this country will be a little bit different because we won't offer everything that a country traditionally does. And also, I think the things that we do offer, we're going to do in a much more efficient way. Uh, there will be taxes, but they won't probably be as high as in, in most Western countries. So that then we imagine a future where you pay some taxes to this country, and then in addition, you pay taxes to the country where you're physically located. I would imagine typically that would be a consumption tax, like a, a VAT. Uh, that is the easiest way to measure, you know, to, to instead of like having everyone register and tap into some kind of banking, local banking system to pay taxes there and relying on that, um, which is already, uh, I mean, Countries are making it very hard for people to pay taxes. Uh, and uh, a lot of people are willing to pay taxes and would do it if it was easy. This kind of reminds me a little bit about, you know, how everyone was torrenting back in the days. But people were saying, yeah, but if it was this easy to watch movies, I would, and, and pay for it, I would gladly do it. And that's what we saw. Netflix came and, you know, people are willing to pay for it. And it's a similar thing with taxes. People are willing to pay for it if it's easy. And VAT, I think, is the most user-friendly way to do that. Um, yeah, right now we have, have this thing where... A lot of countries will let you uh, get refunded your VAT as you leave the country. For instance, if you buy a bunch of clothes on your on vacation, then you know you, if you take them out of the country, you can get that refunded. But we might see some changes on, on those things. Why? Why can you get refunded for that? Because uh, yeah, you're not essentially because you are paying taxes. And right now we're saying that tourists don't pay taxes, uh, but you can you still pay VAT for food and whatever you consume there that doesn't come with you. Uh, anything that kind of stays in the country. But yeah, this, this is a common way um, to do VAT right now. I don't I, I was thinking there's a lot of technical questions, but I, but I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, how would you be able to convince people that, so say for me, if I'm still a, a U.S. citizen, that I'd, I'd be paying into taxes that providing my, theoretically, hopefully, when I hit 65, that it yeah. would also be providing me a, a social safety net to also, in addition to whatever my tax bracket is in the States, tack on an additional 15, whatever percent to have a redundant, sort of seemingly redundant uh, coverage. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not sure what the deal is with America, but I know that in Norway, uh, I can emigrate and become completely, like I can keep my citizenship, uh, but if I am outside of Norway for three years in a row, I can emigrate and are no longer liable for any taxes, um, uh, but, and also will not have any benefits unless I decide to go back. But I do, I do have that option to decide to go back. I'm not sure if America has such a, can emigrate. Um, yeah, no, America is kind of the big complicated beast, yeah. beast in all of this. Um, yeah, also one of the very few countries where you have to pay taxes even if you're not there. Um, but yeah, with a with a country on the internet, you do also get the option of uh, doing, you know saying you don't want to be a citizen of your original country anymore. So uh, yeah, for so most countries, mm-hmm. if you're not living there anymore, you don't yeah. have to pay the damn taxes. That is uh, absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Norway, we have that for income tax. Um, for um, we we do have a one percent asset tax in Norway uh, that you're still liable for even if you leave, and and certain other uh, you know I can't remember exactly. I mean, if you have stocks that are in Norway and you make some money off them, I think they are taxed. But income taxes, you you don't have to pay. Okay, so theoretically, extrapolating upon mm. this, if everybody was to say join. And there was no longer any citizen. Like everybody just foregoed their citizenship mm-hmm. and you know became nomadic mm. and bounced around. And it'd be great because they'd be covered under a social safety net, you know, unemployment. Mm. Or, you know. But then who's going to pay for the roads? So, uh, like I said, I, I imagine there will still be taxes in the geographical locations that you're in. Um, and um, uh, I, I was just suggesting that a VAT might be the most user-friendly way to collect them. Um, but there will also, there will still be businesses that will be based there. Um, there will still be people will still live there and consume, and uh, so there will still be taxes flowing around, even if you're not a citizen of a country. I mean, if if you go and live somewhere else, you're still ending up contributing in some way, and businesses will still contribute. Yeah. But that being said, there are also privatized roads. Um, think the whole. So imagine a future. I mean, we're, we're, when we're talking fifty years ahead of. Uh, in, into the future, countries that are currently developed, and or oftentimes you actually see that underdeveloped countries can get, um, you know, if you look at mobile technology in Asia that came a bit after, they're ahead of the West because they didn't really have any old infrastructure to expand on. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, wherever is going to be the most modern place in the future, maybe all cars are self-driving, maybe, uh, and that, that includes public transportation. Maybe it's going to be a completely different system where Uber pays for the roads. We, we don't know exactly how that's going to work. But yeah, another, another example of things that are much more likely to get disrupted and, and might also be a, a part of Safety Wing's future country on the internet is education. That's a, for, for a lot of uh, countries, that is a very expensive part of the budget. And uh, uh, so another thing that is more, uh, that has more obvious path towards disruption is education. Based on what we know about that, uh, we know that a classroom isn't required for you to learn. Um, and um, uh, that goes for, for uh, both uh, college education or you know, preparing you for, for your uh, career and your work life. And it goes for um, uh, elementary school. And uh, these things are, are very likely to get disrupted and become way less expensive. Uh, we know that the most efficient thing is uh, having some kind of one-on-one tutoring. Uh, which is like a uh, Lambda school now, which is um, uh, a YC company that uh, has a different model than a university where you still have to apply and you still have to get in and, and um, um, go through it, but it's free. And instead of uh, you paying to go to school, they take a percentage of your income for three years after you finish your studies. Um, and that, this includes uh, you get your own personal tutor and uh, you get to yeah, attend lectures with other students is that online or yeah it's all online i think that makes a lot then there's a clear incentive for them to train you to enter into a job market that's going to be lucrative because if they're getting a percentage of your income exactly so how would safety net would safety wing i'm sorry would you work 
would you want to like build something similar to that, or is that just a a, a problem that would need to be solved if safety wing? So yeah, uh, me personally, I have uh, one thing that I would love to work on is um, uh, elementary school uh, as an online feature. So, but um, safety wing has a bit of a we have a you know stuff to do for the next at least five years. Um, so I'm also I would love to see someone else do it. Uh, but if some, if no one else has done that in you know, five to seven years, that, that's a project that I want to embark on for elementary school. And um, uh, yeah, people are already doing it for, for other, for, for on the college level. Maybe people are already working on it for elementary school. But um, so I know a couple of resources at the college level, but I haven't mm-hmm. heard of any. Uh, it seems kind of remarkable that they haven't. Nobody has come up with a universal school that's... Unfortunately, yeah. there is there are language complications. Yeah, but but the thing, and that's why I think it's so important to do it for children because I mean, I, it, to me, it seems like English has become a universal language. It's not the easiest language, um, but there are already a lot of people that speak it that are very geographically spread out, um, and uh, uh, it's not. It's also not that hard, um, even though it's it's kind of it's dumb how inconsistent. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, any Germanic or Latin language has uh, some roots to learn English, um, and yeah, it's, it is a tricky transition from Asian languages. But if you learn from from the age of a kid, uh, you're in a much better position. So if we're able to do it, uh, I want to build an elementary school where you give resources to parents to help them teach, and you know, and then create like a neighborhood kind of school. Um, all you need really is an internet connection, computer, and some kids. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And how, how would you, uh, for concerns about kids spending too much time in front of a screen, how do you, what do you have to say about that? Uh, yeah, there's, this is a, just an interesting development. I feel, feel like, um, I mean, we're now in a kind of a state of, yeah, when it comes to kids and screen time, just in general, and this day and age, we're experiencing a lot of just massive shifts uh, that come in waves um, much faster than they used to. And, think in general we just have to learn to adapt and and we just it's not something that we can really stop i think we can control to some extent uh the content uh but we can't stop it and uh, i think you know the new generation and the generation after there will just learn different skill sets uh, of how to cope i mean we we're different than our parents and we have a different skill set than they do and our kids are going to have a different skill set and, and a different toolbox um than, than we do uh, i mean for, for us for example it's just that you know, you used to have to memorize things, and now everything's accessible at our fingertips. And we do because of that, we're doing things a bit differently. And the same with with screen time. So, I mean, we're we're already seeing some consequences of this transition with you know rising depression and anxiety, and and uh, uh, you know these all these like dopamine machines. Everyone's kind of just addicted to 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 it. Um, but uh, I think we'll we'll learn to to cope handle that as it comes in, in putting kids and i don't think screen time inherently is bad it just depends on what it is what other services would you like to see a country on the internet provide you mentioned uh, social, social safety net mm-hmm. health insurance perhaps elementary education at least mm-hmm. any other major ones that you can yeah possibly uh, college education as well so the whole spectrum of education safety as a whole I would also say that uh, if people commit uh, awful crimes, there there should be consequences to that within the community. I mean, and, and one of the obvious ones in, in this, uh, if, if it's a, insurance is essentially a pool of people going together where everyone's paying money and then uh, you get a payout if uh, some condition that you didn't foresee happens to you. But uh, this is also it's trust-based, so people can... Um, commit fraud and you know say they have a condition that they don't and things like that would have to be punished um so yeah uh, and uh, another one is um, financial security when it comes to um you know job loss uh or uh, these in-between periods of um uh yeah uh, as well as yeah pensions that we mentioned and um maybe tailoring a better life uh, for sabbaticals and also savings um for you know, if you want to buy a house one day, uh, there are a lot of things that you can you can incentivize and make sure that people live good lives. One interesting thing that we have in Norway um, with taxes uh, that is just kind of like it's a funny, it's kind of a fun fact. 
Um, and it's, it is, I'm not sure if I'm very pro this because it's, it's, it's government that it's not optional, but when you pay taxes in Norway, uh, we have, we don't pay the same every 12 months, like every month out of the year, all the 12 months. Um, we do this thing where you save up and you get vacation money. So in June you get, uh, you pay way less taxes. And then we have the same thing in December. You, you only pay half taxes in December. So it's not, you're not actually paying less. You're just paying more the other months. Uh, but that that is to incentivize people to, you know, go Christmas shopping and having making sure that people can afford That's Christmas. Uh, and there are things like that that we can do. Um, yeah, that people can sort of opt into and when, once we have, once we're also responsible for, for people's financial situation. I'm curious about how this country would... And what the interaction would be with climate justice? Yeah, um, a lot of thoughts on this. I mean, uh, one thing we do know is that that is a very international concern. Um, these days, I, you know, us, us as nomads, uh, we go around and we we see things that are outside the bubble of you know New York, LA, San Francisco, where everyone's extremely preoccupied with recycling and you know not recycling is you know the worst thing you could do. And then you go to, I mean, you, Thailand is actually you know they just ban uh, plastic bags and gross grocery shops here. But I had a recent trip to um, Albania. And then it's just like, I mean, they haven't, it's like they haven't even heard of recycling. And it's just like, okay, so if I recycle at home and I feel better about that, it's not really doing anything on a big scale. Um, but once uh, we become more multinational, uh, that that uh, effort can truly become international. There is also, uh, this is also on the national countries to contribute. Um, uh, if we contribute in some way to make that inter international collaboration better, we are very happy to do so. If we can use can use our strength in numbers to create the right kind of incentives to have countries make the right decisions. Yeah, this is also a very important part of uh, you know America and, and China. But I mean, America is kind of the it's the superpower of the, the West, and uh, uh, yeah, really need to leverage that current day and age, um, making the right decisions. Yeah, and having an international focus. It's just I. I I get frustrated sometimes being in America where I feel like a lot of it is just virtue signaling and, and yes, yeah. you know, we, we do. Yes, America is, I think it's about 15% of the, of the problem, but you can't, even if you fix those 15%, um, you're not fixing, you, you need to focus on global scale. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with this idea? Like what was, what was the process from like inception to now, you know, speaking at conferences really having the same that process looked um yeah that was uh you know three people uh with this grand vision in front of computers across the globe um deciding that we're we're gonna do this and we're gonna go go here um and ever since then it's just been like eyes on the prize and um now we're here three years in and uh, have three years of progress behind us and and seven years of progress ahead of us so i like that last night somebody was like did you start off with like a, a small idea, and like is the as or not not necessarily a small idea, yeah. but uh, you know. did you just accidentally end up here? Yeah, did or... you accidentally want to? <laughs> not really. No. Yeah, and it's definitely a very and this is an interesting thing to kind of look back to my own childhood, and I kind of I remember um, the time in my life where I realized that I can actually have an impact, and also part of the reason why I'm now so I'm in a region and Norway is awesome, but I, I'm based in the United States and with with its problems and and all of that. But there's a ceiling that exists in Scandinavia that's that does not exist in the states. And um, during college or during university, I went on a, uh, an entrepreneurship program uh, called Grindelskolen or Norwegian School of entrepreneurship in San Francisco and had an internship over there. Um, this was during me studying computer science as part of my, my degree and um, uh, took a course of entrepreneurship at Berkeley and just being over in Silicon Valley in that environment over there and, and seeing how, you know, I as a, I as a Norwegian looked at, you know, awesome people on TV and, you know, and always thought I never really connected in me potentially being some some of those people until I went there and and became a part of the Silicon Valley infrastructure and um, uh, that was a turning point for me and when I realized that you know I really can just set the goal and go for it it's awesome mm -hmm. and then since then I I've been in the startup world I, oh oh 
always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I think I always just knew that my personality is best um, not uh, responding to another authority. Uh, yeah, uh, and um, but but I never when I, when I was younger, I didn't think that I was going. Yeah, just the Norwegian mindset isn't typically a global impact. Interesting. And you feel like the U.S. is, or at least Silicon Valley? Uh, yeah, especially Silicon Valley. Um, and uh, my little subgroup in Silicon Valley at this point. But yeah, it's just to say, I, 2012, I just came there as, as uh, an individual among 35 other Norwegians and, and interning. But since then, uh, Safe Doing also went through the startup accelerator Y Combinator. And they definitely foster this kind of culture um, of, uh, you know, do great things and be a good person and, and uh, uh, work your way towards an imp- having an impact. So they, they um, um, seed funded both, uh, yeah, Stripe, Airbnb, Dropbox, a lot of the, the things. Wow. Are, yeah, they're, they're, one of, they're a very successful startup accelerator. Paul Graham uh, and Jessica Livingston founded that um, married couple. They're awesome. Paul Graham has an awesome blog. Uh, they're just like the best people the world has. Aww. Mm. That's sweet. <laughs> all right. Uh, can you say all the places where people can find you and anything you want to plug? Yeah. I mean, you, you can find uh, us at SafeDoing at SafeDoing.com. Um, right now, like I said, the landing page is a um, insurance product, but there will be more things to come and uh, more content related. To, to this um, if you just register you will you'll receive our emails you don't have to buy the product you can just register without buying myself I'm online Facebook Instagram and uh, yeah I uh, uh, love to for everyone to follow Safe Doing's journey I think we're going to do something important in the world and the more people we have on our side the more likely we are to finish our project quicker I'm certainly looking forward to see the journey Full confidence. Be a part of it. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to do this. It was yeah, amazing to talk to you. Yeah, I love so what you're doing. We're very excited for this, so thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This is, uh, I love the questions. This is, seems like an awesome podcast. <laughs> thank you. Check it out. I'm going to check it out. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. Be sure to tune in on Monday for this week's mini-sode where we ask our guests some more than occasionally interesting questions. Ranging from most life-changing books, to embarrassing childhood stories, their perspectives on the world, and beyond!